Chapter 4. The Slave Trade. 300 years ago, no Negroes were to be found in this Western Hemisphere. We were to be found exclusively in Africa. Just about that time, a large number of white people, called colonists, settled in America. They desired labourers to help them in the country's development. They turned to Asia and were, able to use, were unable to use the Yellow Man. At that time, a man named John Hawkins, afterwards knighted, asked permission of Queen Elizabeth of England to take the blacks from Africa into her colonies of America and the West Indies and use them in their development. The Queen asked, what consideration will you give them? Hawkins said, they will be civilised and Christianised in the colonies, for in their own country they are savages and barbarians. Under these pretenses, the British Queen signed a charter empowering John Hawkins and others to remove from Africa millions of our foreparents, men, women and children, who were sold in the slave markets of the southern states of America and the West Indies. Parents were separated from children, husbands from wives, all scattered in this western hemisphere to work in the cotton fields of the southern states of America and the sugar plantations of the West Indies. The Negroes who were sold in the West Indies remained as slaves for 230 years and those sold in America for 250 years. The West Indian Negroes were emancipated 85 years ago by Queen Victoria of England and the American Negroes 58 years ago by Abraham Lincoln. We, the Negroes in this Western Hemisphere, are descendants of those Africans who were enslaved and transported to these shores where they suffered, bled and died to make us what we are today, civilised Christian free men. Should we not therefore turn our eyes towards Africa, our ancestral home and free it from the thraldom of alien oppression and exploitation? Negro status under alien governments. Within modern times, the Negro race has not had any real statesmen, and the masses of our people have always accepted the intentions and actions of the statesmen and leaders of other races as being directed in our interest as a group in conjunction with the interest of others. Such a feeling on our part caused us to believe that the Constitution of the United States was written for Negroes, as well as the constitutions of England, France, Italy, Germany and other countries where Negroes happen to have their present domicile either as citizens or subjects. That we suffer so much today under whatsoever flag we live is proof positive that constitutions and laws, when framed by the early advocates of human liberty, never included and were never intended for us as a people. It's only a question of sheer accident that we happen to be fellow citizens today with the descendants of those who, through their advocacy, descendants laid the foundations for human rights. So this brings us to the point where, as a people, we can expect very little from the efforts of present-day statesmen of other races in that their plans, as far as advantages to be derived there for, from our concerned, are laid only in the interests of their own people and not in the interest of Negroes. Hence, it is imperative that Negroes as a people evolve just at this time a statesmanship sufficiently able to cope with the designs and movements that are being made that will, except if we prevent it, ultimately mean our doom and destruction. The Negro as an industrial makeshift. The Negro's prosperity today, limited as it is, is based upon the foundation laid by an alien race that is not disposed to go out of its way to prepare for the economic existence of anyone else but itself. Therefore, our present prosperity, as far as employment goes, is purely accidental. It is accidental today as it was during the war of 1914-18 to 18, when coloured men were employed in different occupations, not because they were wanted, but because they were filling the places of other races who were not available at the time. Negroes are still filling places and as time goes on and the age grows older our occupations will be gone from us because those who we fill the places for will soon appear 
and as they do, so we'll gradually. And as they do, we should gradually find our places among the millions of permanent unemployed. The thing for the Negro to do, therefore, is to adjust his own economic present in readiness for the future. A race that is solely dependent upon another for its economic existence sooner or later dies. As we have seen in the past, living upon the mercy shown by others and by the chances obtainable and have suffered therefrom, so will we in the future suffer if an effort is not made now to adjust our own affairs. Lack of cooperation in the Negro race. It is so hard, so difficult to find men who will stick to a purpose, who will maintain a principle for the worth of that principle, for the good of that purpose, and if there is a race that needs such men in the world today, God Almighty knows it is the race of which I am a member. The race needs men of vision and ability, men of character and above all men of honesty, and that is so hard to find. The greatest stumbling block in the way of progress in the race has invariably come within the race itself. The monkey wrench of destruction as thrown into the cog of Negro progress is not thrown so much by the outsider as by the very fellow who is in, in our fold and who should be the first to grease the wheel of progress rather than seeking to impede it. But notwithstanding the lack of sympathetic cooperation, I have one consolation that I cannot get away from the race, and so long as I am in the race, and since I have sense and judgment enough to know what affects the race that affects me, it is my duty to help the race to clear itself of those things that affect us in common.